And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to your most favorite hour of fantasy or any kind of talk during your week. It's Under the Radar, part of the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. With me, as always, my friend and yours, Dirk Van Riper. I really needed that intro today. I'm, I'm happy we're here. Uh, with us for the first time ever, making his under the radar debut, our friend and yours, Joel Pinheiro. Morning, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on, man. Ian Khan under the weather, under the weather. Still doesn't make it better. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, just I mean, listen, I'm going to tell you the Twitter handle now. I think after the next, you know, forty or fifty minutes, you're going to want to jump on it anyway. It's Joel Pinheiro's JP three five three eight on Twitter. Um, Give him a follow. Joel, it's not, you know, it's not the most dynamic of Twitter follows, but it's nice to get your numbers. Hey, whatever else, you know. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so this is the Joel Pinero who pitched for 12 years in the majors. Um, writer for The Athletic. Uh, genuinely nice guy. Fantasy football champion. Um, so he speaks our language. So, yeah. Last second, just sent him a text. Like, can you jump on? He's like, yeah, man. So here we are. <laughs> Let's go. DVR, uh, I've known Joel for many, many years. Do you have any questions you want to just kick off with? Like, I mean, I feel like, I, you know. I feel like I should give you the floor for a second if you have anything you want to know. My favorite question to ask anyone who ever got to play in the big leagues was, where was your favorite place to play? Either your favorite stadium to play in or your favorite city to go play in because you just thought the environment was amazing. Oh, man. Uh, obviously, St. Louis to me was uh, an amazing city. And the team and the fans and everything around that area was uh, amazing. But every city you go to has a little different style, different you know flow, like we call it. So obviously New York's always fun, you know, you, you go to all these places in Boston. So, but uh, yeah, my favorite park, I guess it'll, it will be St. Louis and obviously in Seattle, my first big league park that I, you know, kind of, I'm sorry, in Chicago, that was a, my first big league start when I stepped on that field. Uh, I had a one o'clock game. I walked out like around nine thirty, ten o'clock and just looked around at the ballpark and it's like, wow. So this is what it looks like. So, you know, they're all exciting. It's, you know, it's something that I do, that I did for a living, that I love, you know, and it's very exciting. You're coaching now, right? Yes, we're coaching at the high school. Unfortunately, we just lost in the regional finals oh. in a weird game. We lost 14 to 12, by the way. <laughs> what happened there, man? It was a home run show. They had like eight or nine home runs. We had six. It was just one of those crazy wind-blowing games. And uh, at one point, we were losing 11-3. And we came back and then we got it like 9-11 and then they got another one. They got, we got, it was just crazy. We lost 14-12. That's and, uh, but that's baseball, you know, we, and then. How's it work in, in high school? Is it like down there, especially Florida, where it's like, you know, baseball crazy because you play all year. Is it a, like a single elimination or is it like they're like round robin tournament kind of thing? Was No, obviously it kind of like, kind of like the same, like obviously the first team gets a by the first round. Then you have district final, semifinals, district finals. Then you go regional quarterfinals, regional semifinals, regional finals. And if you get out of that, and then you go to the states, and then you go state semifinals and state finals. 
So we came within two games of the, you know, getting to the to states. You guys rolled through it last year, didn't you? We we lost in the state finals. Uh, crazy! My son threw a no hitter in the state semifinals, and then uh, we we it was a zero zero game in the seventh inning, and uh, they the other team got a three spot, and then we weren't able to come back to it. So Man. it was an amazing game. It, you know, different feeling, especially for the seniors like my son that were graduating. That was our last high school game and stuff like that. So it's kind of tough to see the kids go. And, uh, you know, but it's part of the game. You know, you win some, you lose some. Could you imagine, DVR, could you imagine being like, and probably not like another high school kid because, you know, that's like a different generation, but like one of those kids' parents and be like, all right, we made this state finals. Uh, who are we facing? <laughs> Joel Pinheiro. <laughs> okay, cool. Like, you know, okay, you know, it's probably, you know, son of a player, maybe he stinks, then he just throws a no-hitter and you're like, oh yeah, man, that's, uh, that kid's that kid's going places, dude. <laughs> yeah, that would be, that'd be a tough out. You know, you're feeling really good about your season and you run to a buzzsaw like that. Nuts. Yeah, he's, uh, so he had, he had Tommy John, right? Yeah, he unfortunately, yeah, he, uh, he earned, at FIU, he earned a midweek starter role as a freshman. And unfortunately, his last scrimmage the, in the fifth inning, he kind of felt something in his elbow. I was there at that game, and I see him kind of wiggle his arm around. I was like, oh, oh. Then he threw another pitch, foul ball, and then he kind of wiggled again his arms, and I was like, crap. And then he threw that third pitch. The guy fouled it off, and he just started walking off the mound. And once I saw that, I just – I yelled. I got up, and I yelled a really bad cuss word in Spanish. Oh. And because I knew something was wrong. Yeah. You know, whatever the trainers, they're trying to touch him, hold him, talking to him, whatever. And then I'm looking at him in the dugout, and then I just pointed down, like I'm going down to the dugout. And he goes, "Dad, I don't know. I've never felt anything like this. It's something weird." Honestly, he goes, "It felt like my the part of my elbow, like like it just disconnected and got back together." And I was like, "All right." Next day, we had MRI. We did like two MRIs and. Obviously, with my connections here with, you know, team doctors and the Marlins and all kinds of doctors, I uh, I had them all looked up. And then, like, unfortunately, yeah, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. And then the last guy I went was to Andrews, the big dog in Pensacola. Oh, no, yeah. 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 That's Dr. James Andrews. For- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I kind of, I called up. I put it, you know, made an appointment. He saw him in the morning. He goes, unfortunately, Joel, yeah, it's this is not good news. So he goes, I got a 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. We're like. We're already here, right, doctor? Let's do it. But the rehab is going amazing. He's already doing – he's throwing plyo balls, like medicine balls, and it's been three months. So, it, I mean, the rehab is going as it's supposed to be. So, hopefully, you know, he'll be a medical – he was a medical registered, so he comes back as a freshman last year at FIU. And uh, everything looks good so far. On July 11th, we go back to see Dr. Andrews because he gives him the okay to start playing catch like July 20th. So, it's it, you know, it's – it was tough in the beginning, but now the process and everything's been positive and it's looking good for next year. So, like, to hear you talk about it, like, it's crazy because, like, sometimes we as fantasy players, I guess maybe even you as fantasy players, um, you know, you hear, like, oh, this guy needs Tommy John. Um, you're like, oh, all right, well, you know, see you in 12 months. You know, see you in 18 months when you're ready to come back and, and pitch again. But, like, the steps going through it, man, I, you know, we sometimes see it in, like, the Roto World updates or whatever, but, uh, you know, just going in depth like that. And I know you sent me, like, a couple pictures of him recovering. Like, man, that is, you know, like... There's a lot that happens in that 12 months. A lot. I mean, there's tons of not, I mean, flexibility stuff, stretching and stuff that, you know, 
just like with a towel stretching, just little things like that that people don't see. And then, but obviously now, he, like I said, he's moving on a fast pace. I sometimes see him. He's like doing motions and here in the house. And I was like, stop moving your arm. Relax. <laughs> like, take it. He goes, dad, I'm supposed to. I'm supposed to. I got to get more. You know, now I go, oh my gosh. But yeah, everything, like I said, everything looks positive. So uh, can't wait for that meeting on July 11th with Andrews and then move on from there. That's awesome. Dr. James Andrews, celebrity man. That's great. Yeah. By the, <laughs> yeah, by the way, he did my surgery and did my son, so that's kind of crazy. That, I, yeah, I wonder if he could say how many people he did that for. Yeah, he, he did my shoulder in 2012, and then 10 years later, he's doing my son's elbow. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, it's not awesome. Yeah. Well, I guess it's kind of awesome. Yeah, right. no. no yeah, it's we, <laughs> so let, let's get into some stuff, man. Let's uh, let's dole out some, uh, some fantasy advice, man. Um, and I wanted to start and, and DVR, please look, feel free to jump in, interrupt me when I, if we're if we're going to, you know, we've known each other. DVR is a new guy in this friendship, so uh, <laughs> we get we jump in, interrupt. Um, but I want to start with it. You were going to do this story, and you did this story, but we held it back because so many of the Tigers pitchers started getting hurt. Um, but when we talk like before the season, like what do you want to write about? Like give us some ideas. Uh, you threw out something that was very close to my heart too, is that the Tigers' rotation is awesome, and you went as far to say they were the best in the AL Central. Um, then Manning got hurt. I mean, like all these, even Pineda got hurt. Um, but like, can you, who, who's the guy? I think when I read it, I think I feel like your guy was Scooball in there, like just wheels off, go nuts. That's what I really thought was just going to have that breakout. You know, he's got the arm, he's got the stuff. And it was just the demeanor, the way, the way he steps on that mound. I was like, this guy has a chance to take it to the next level. And like you said, little by little, I mean, <laughs> I'm looking at the article. It's like this guy went down, that guy went down. And I tell you what, I I love uh, Chris Fetter. I think he's a really good pitching coach. Uh, I got a chance to talk to him because they recruited my son Joel going into you know, but then the whole pandemic hit, and he goes, you know, we're not able to see your son pitch live, this and that. So, but I so I got to know him, and I, I got to know the way he goes about his stuff. All right, Fetter's the dude they brought in from college, from like Michigan, right? He was yes, in college, Michigan. yeah, yeah. Yes. All right. So I, I got to know him. I spoke with him. We were, I mean, on a weekly basis because I, my son really wanted to go there, whatever it was. But, and I loved the way he was going about it. He knows his, his, you know, stats. He knows all this stuff about, you know, Rap Soto. He knows everything. And it, it felt like helping those young guys out and picking up Barnhart, that catcher. And I just thought it was like a perfect combination. I mean, obviously injuries are part of the game, but, but yeah, going back to me, I thought Scooble was going to be that guy that was just going to have that breakout year and having, you know, Rodriguez in there as a veteran guy to kind of guide those kids. So hopefully they do turn around, but I thought I had, they had a chance to be one of the better pitching rotations in that central. You were very right about Scooble, man. He's having a year. Yeah. He's not, he's like, he's out of control. Like he was, he's got a 2.22 ERA whips, sub 105 he's striking people out that's a year and the thing yeah he was giving a lot of up a lot of homers last year you know but that's the good thing he was not able he, he challenges people you know what i mean he's not afraid to go up you know here, here hit it you know so that's what i liked about him that, that mentality i think is like all right here it is go hit it go find out what you're gonna do with it dvr if you had to rank like where would you put scooball right now or scooball how do we uh, well here's here's what dvr does on the show because he's such a gentleman if we're mispronouncing the name, he'll just kind of slyly say his name the right way, and then we know how to pronounce how to pronounce it. <laughs> Tarek Scoobel. I've heard 
Tariq. <laughs> I've heard a lot of Scooball. Like I've heard, you know, it's just just one of those names people struggle with for some reason. But the interesting thing for me with Scooball is just that he gave up a ton of hard contact last year. Right? The home run rate, as Joel said, was off the charts bad. I don't think there was a pitcher, a qualified pitcher in baseball who allowed more barrels than Scooble did, right? We think about barrels on the hitting side, like high exit velo, good launch angle balls that we want hitters to hit. We don't want pitchers to give those up. And the transformation is is a little bit of everything. He's changed up the pitch mix a bit, uh, cutting the home run rate, getting more balls on the ground. I mean, that's step one to cutting the home run rate. But he also is, I think, better command-wise. And we're seeing that in the walk rate. The walk rate is actually very good, under 5%. If you'd have told me a year ago, Tarek Skubal is going to have a walk rate under 5%. I would have been like, how? And and is that going to be bad for his strikeout rate? Is he in the zone more, getting hit more? Nope, still missing a ton of bats too. Career best strikeout rate. So he's probably an easy top 40 starting pitcher for me with an up arrow next to his name. I'm really curious to see what the next few months brings. I think every time we see a pitcher make changes to his pitch mix or location strategy or, or both of those things, we need to see how teams respond when they get to see that pitcher again, right? It's not going to be new the second and third time that teams in division get to see this version of Scooble. But I, I think this looks really good. I was just going to say that there's, there's not many, uh, there, you know, there's not many secrets between you and the other, op- the opposition. They know what you like to pitch, how you like to pitch, where do you like to throw, what pitches you go to in some counts. Same thing you do the homework on them. These guys string earlier, this guy, you know, it, there's not many secrets. And like you said, in the central, you're going to see these guys a lot. So at the end of the day, it's just going out there, trusting your stuff, and like you said, just not being afraid to get hit, keeping the ball down, trusting your defense. And that's just the way I looked about, you know, the pitching side of it. You know, it's like there's not many secrets. They know you. You have video on them. They have video on you. So just a matter of going out there and executing pitches. And like I said, I think last year he was just falling behind too many hitters, trying to be too perfect. And then that's when he was getting in the 2-0, 3-1 counts. And then once he came back, he got hit hard. Now he's getting ahead of hitters. And that's what's helping him, you know, being on top. Is that is that something like I mean you you mentioned they brought Barnhart over um, and Feder like who like did someone talk to him like in like September or, or I guess when the pit when the coaching changes happened and when they brought in Barnhart like how does that how do you enact that is that something like you know like in January to bring in spring training be like listen man here's here's what I think you can do differently and it'll be successful I, I would say one hundred percent yes because they you know they they look at what they did last year and then they for this year they're like you need to improve on this you need to. Very this. Maybe it was something it's just mechanics that they found an adjustment to or something like that. And, but yeah, they usually early in the year you sit down and you go over like, all right, this is where we struggled last year. This is what we need to get improved to get better. If you want to stay in the big leagues, if you want to be a dominant pitcher, we feel this is what you gotta do. And I mean they do that with a lot of pitchers, you know, and, and say we're in relief pitchers. Hey, you're not gonna be close in this year, you need to do this better, you're gonna be our setup man, or whatever it is. Do you know, like I mean, and not I, you don't have to bring up like specific examples, but like when you when you got catcher like I remember, uh, who was it had his personal? It was like the the biggest example that like the Yankees pitcher who had his personal catcher. Um, but I mean, like, is there something to that? Like, you know, Barnhart's just like he's clicking with Scooble too. Is it, is there is there a lot to do with that, or is it just you can put anyone behind there at this point? And he's just going to figure it out. I think it's a little bit of both. I think at this time you put somebody in there, and then he's still he's got that mentality right now to that I have the stuff. I know what I'm doing. I can get people out, but. It does help to have a good catcher. Obviously, I, you know, I've had Yair Molina. I had all kinds of catchers in my career that sometimes they do give you that confidence. Like when you see them, they're like calling pitches and you're you, you trusting them. They're, they're watching the game. They're watching the hitter. And it's just something that maybe clicks, like I said, that 
when people have their special catch or whatever it is, I never thought about it like that because I don't know. I, I felt like we're all there trying to work together. So it's just a matter of, but yeah, some people do click. So I, I don't know. I get that kind of anxiety when I go to like the barbershop and like the guy that I like, you know, is like, hey, <laughs> this dude can take you right now or you can wait for me. And I feel bad for the guy that I'm skipping to, to go for the, you know, the guy who's actually a little better. I wonder if that, does that like ruin a dynamic? <laughs> if you're like, hey, I, you know, I'm going to go with catcher B uh, all the time now instead, please. Yeah I, yeah, I think it's a team game. So I think that's kind of, yeah, messed up. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Grant. I just want to make sure. <laughs> yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I don't know, DVR, where do you want to go on this rundown, man? We got a lot of stuff written here. Like, where do you wanna where do you wanna to jump to? Anything fun? Joel, you carry it? I got another Tigers question. I mean, I think the success they've had with Scooble in a weird way makes me more optimistic about Matt Manning putting it all together, right? I mean, there's no question about the the raw talent, but what we've seen of Matt Manning in the big leagues so far has been a shell of the pitcher that he was in the minors. So I guess I'm just curious, Joel, what do you see going wrong? And, and what do you see in that profile that might be fixed going forward? I know, it's crazy. The guy has nice pitching frame. The guy has, I mean, I thought he had four plus pitches. And it's for some reason, I, he can't put it. I don't understand it. You know, if, and you're not going to have all four pitches every start you go out there. But I mean, I don't, I don't see exactly what, you know, I don't know. I don't know if he was hurt or like he really was hurt. He was trying to pitch through it or I don't know. I, I don't know. That's fine. We're not going to have the answers for everything, people. Um, <laughs> uh, let's, let's, you know, you want to talk about Manny Machado, actually. And I think like, I, I don't think he was on anybody's radar as like, hey, this guy's going to be MVP this year. Um, and he's like, he's on fire, man. I don't know if, you know, maybe Tatis isn't there and he feels like he's got to take a little more on his back. Um, or what, or, you know, it's just kind of like, yeah, like I'm healthy and I'm playing and this is what it, this is what it is. How are you, how are you viewing Manny Machado right now? Like, is this something he's going to keep up to? Oh, uh, he was my second pick. So I had him high on my list. All right. So well. my <laughs> All right nice. You took him in the second round. I, 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 I was able to get Trey Turner and Manny Machado on my team. It's like a, all right. <laughs> Good times. Yeah. So I, I went big, but like, no, I mean, I don't know. It's just. I felt like he had it, like you said, he had to step up. Tatis is not going to be there. And he goes, you know, I got here first. This is my team. Let me go out there and prove to everybody that I, you know, I, I can carry this team. Obviously, the, you know, the pitching staff, not having Snell and all those guys there. But, uh, but I thought, I mean, Machado, like I said, he's, he's on a, not only with his defense, but with his bat, he's just doing everything. Definitely, like you said, he's the top MVP candidate right now. Are you like when you say like I gotta? Well, anyone says like I gotta put this team on my back now. Like, does that just 
How does that work? Like mentally, like in the game, can you just kind of lock it in a little more, or do you like change your approach and be like, all right, maybe I got to swing for a little more power because this, you know, this forty homer bat behind me isn't here right now. How does how do you like actually physically manifest that? Like putting your team on the back. I tell you what, it's not so much about going out there and hitting home runs. It's about the clubhouse, making sure you're keeping everybody together in the clubhouse. No, knowing that you're missing top players, but it's like having everybody lose keeping each, each other relaxed on the field and just tell them to go out there and have fun and play the game the right way. He goes, one day's going to be you, one day's going to be you, one day's going to be me. So it's just a matter of playing the team together. And I think a big help, too, it's Bob Melvin. Uh, I was able to play for Bob Melvin in Seattle and when he was starting off. And I'll tell you what, he's definitely a player's manager. And I think that's helped Machado out, too. Yeah, obviously, he's doing with the bat and the glove. But I think it's more of keeping the clubhouse together and the players together and, and Letting them play good ball. Nice. How much are you watching? Like a ton of games a night. I know, like you're, I'm, I like just from knowing and talking to you. Like I, I know this coaching is taking up a lot of time. But uh, are you just like you know seven o'clock? Like I'm gonna put on some games. Are you? I think you went. You went out to a Marlins game. You like we actually got your press passes for the Marlins. Yeah. So you can start. Yeah. <laughs> you can start going and having some well, fun. Well, now now that the baseball season's done, it's, you know the high school's done. I'm, I'm watching more games and stuff. And you know my son's a big watching games he told me hey watch this this guy's pitching today or whatever it is so yeah i've been watching a lot more baseball now nice but you know since the season ended so yeah i'm always trying to t- stay on top of stuff you know how's your fantasy team uh not good i'm i'm in seventh out of ten my <laughs> i got the hitters but my pitching is not good i have peralta go down and then you know some of those pitchers like that are going down so but yeah oh, man. crazy my pitchers are getting hurt Seven out of ten. How are you picking pitchers in your fantasy? I mean, like you're a pitcher, right? So you, I mean, like you can kind of cut through a lot of the the BS that, like you know, guys like me and DVR would get fooled by watching or looking at numbers and like, can you like right? Like you can see things in there that a normal person wouldn't be able to see. I would assume. Yeah, I mean, I think I do, but obviously it's not working. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so like I got Darvish. You know, Peralta, like I said, went down. I got Jensen. I got, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's kind of, <laughs> let me see if I can find it. But yeah, it's, I don't know, seven out of 10. It's like they're giving me crap on the league saying, oh, you're supposed to be the big dog. No, and I was like, no, I don't know anything about this. You know, <laughs> Come but, on. Yeah, so let's play football. That's different. <laughs> yeah, that's like, we'll wait till football starts. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I want to hit up uh, the, a question about the rookies um, because I think, like, the the theme I think this season so far is that all these rookies who you know finally like you know make the team. There's no more of this super two arbitration garbage holding guys back. You know like they're breaking spring training with the teams. Everyone's all fired up, and then it's just like a big turd kind of outside of like Julio Rodriguez. Um, is that we we had a story on the site the other day that was like it could be from the lost 2020 season. Some people are saying that. Uh, I think there was a quote in there from a hitter actually who said he hit a wall last year after like game 70. Because he's never played that many games, um, I remember you saying something early in the season, like you know the spring training ramp up is going to be a little different. What, what's going on? I mean, like Julio Rodriguez having a great year, twelve steals, I think five home runs, hitting two seventy something. But everybody else just seems to be like Spencer Torkelson. I thought was a a shoe in for you know just like thirty home runs. Um, what's going on in your estimation of all this? I think that you know the short season twenty twenty. These guys not getting the bats and pitchers not getting the innings. I think definitely has a lot to do with it, you know. And now the teams, I think sometimes they might be rushing them a little just because they're high round picks or whatever it is. And then 
But I, I think definitely the 2020 season not being a full, that, that's definitely hurting the players for sure. Yeah, it seems like there's a multi-year hangover from the lost 2020 season, and it, it impacts the game at all sorts of different ways. I mean, last season, there were so many injuries in the big leagues that AAA depth was moved up to big league rosters. And I feel like a lot of hitters that tore up AAA were beating up on a lower caliber of pitcher than they ordinarily would have faced at that level, right? I think in even like high school and college, the the lost season or the shortened season in 2020 has had injury impacts on on pitchers that didn't get that workload and then last year ramped all the way back up and, and pitched full seasons. Like so there's all these different ways that the the season in 2020 has is cost players something in the long run. And I do think this current crop of rookies having that missing year of development, I mean, a year of maybe being at the alternate site or working out on your own, it's just not the same as having been at low A or high A or double A or wherever these guys were going to be. Torkelson, I thought from the beginning, I thought what we saw with Andrew Vaughn last year might be kind of a, a good starting point for what Torkelson might do as a rookie. And I'm looking at his numbers right now. He's hitting 190 with a 296 OBP and a 328 slugging percentage, which just seems abysmal to me, right? That's a that's a good pitcher hitting in the NL back when pitchers would do that. But it's an 88 WRC plus. It's only a little worse than league average right now because the run environment's so bad. So I think it's it is definitely a real thing that we have players underperforming because of lost time, but the ball and the current run environment is still so much worse than we're we're accustomed to from the last geez, 15, 20 years. Have we have we seen a, a ball this dead in the big leagues at any point in recent memory? I think that was a question for you, Joel. <laughs> the man a man who's touched them. <laughs> Yeah, something that, like you said, I think, especially with the holdout this year, nobody knew when they were going to get going. And as a maybe as a young guy, you don't really know what to expect, what to do, what to do to get ready. As a veteran guy, you probably know exactly how to prepare yourself, how to get your body, because you've been through it for many years. First, they said it was going to hold out for a month, then two months, then they're going to go back just two weeks. So maybe they weren't preparing themselves ready enough and once you said, once you got to spring training, you got to ramp up. You got to go quicker than expected. You had to go into live BPs earlier. You're facing pitchers that you're like veterans that they're ahead. So I think that had a lot to do with it. The holdout. They didn't. They weren't prepared as a young guy. They didn't get ready for the spring training. Yeah, that that's always made a lot of sense to me. Like just the re, the resources are yeah. different. If you're an established veteran, you've had big league paychecks before. You've got places you can go and and work out on your own a little easier. If you're a younger player your situation is almost certainly different in some way. Uh, the other thing that's really surprising me too, looking at the rookies, you know, even the Bobby Witt Jr., it was a slow first couple of weeks. It seems like he's turned things around. Julio Rodriguez really playing well, and you see him on highlights pretty much every day. I mean, he's, to me, he looks like he's well on his way to being a star. Like that that might be the, the narrative around him by the end of this season. What I'm curious to see is what happens with Seiya Suzuki. His strikeout rate's over 30% so far. Obviously, a guy who's a pro from Japan, so not quite the same as his younger guys breaking in for the first time. But when we first saw him in the big leagues this year, I didn't think there was going to be a swing and miss problem in his profile. And that's actually been the case through his first you know, 40 games or so. Yeah, I, like I said, I haven't seen much of the Cubs, but just like you said, he started off on fire. And we're like, well, this guy's you know the real deal. Then now the, team, the league is getting a hold of him. The pitchers are knowing how to attack him. 
And that that's the different ball game here, you know. It, it obviously happens to a lot of young guys, I guess, which are not young. But uh, yeah, the league's getting to know him. He, his swing and miss is way up. Joel, I got I got a question that's kind of a follow up to all this. It's like a, you know, like with that lost twenty twenty season and people maybe needing to get more innings and stuff. I mean, I guess it was kind of easy for me to think, you know, they can just go to the winter leagues and pitch there and stuff. And I know you did that a bunch. Um, how's that pro? Like, can can a player just be like, I would like to play, uh, you know. Venezuela for the winter your team is that okay with you or like how do they have to get signed or what's the process for actually being like hey I would like to play for like you know a team anywhere in the in the winter league yeah I tell you what that was one of my biggest you know things that helped me be a better pitcher mature quicker at a young age you know being 19 20 21 years old going to winter ball facing you know Carlos Baerga, Alomar, all those guys that were playing back in the day, you know, and it helped me mature because once I got to spring training, I was like, oh, man, <laughs> I've faced big leaguers already. I'm facing A-ball guys now, double-A guys, I good, you yes. know? Yeah. And, and that mentality does help. I mean, you're facing top talent there. But usually the team, some teams have kind of an affiliation with it or some teams do have coaches that go back from, you know, their minor leagues and, and the league and the, you know, MLB that, hey, I'm coaching this team. Can I, let me get this prospect. Let me get this one. Let me get that one. And then that's how they develop. And, but honestly, you can pretty much go anywhere. You can go to Dominican, you can go to Puerto Rico, you go to Venezuela, but usually, you know, but same thing. Now the teams are spending a lot of money on these top prospects that they might say, you know what, just work out on your own. We'll send you here to Arizona or wherever for like a little instructional lead because we don't want you getting hurt down there playing winter ball. And that's, you know, and it's kind of, it makes sense. They're giving a lot of money to these young kids. And I don't want this guy getting hurt in winter ball. And then now I miss him for another year or half of the year because he hurt himself in a Caribbean World Series or whatever it is. So, but I, to me, that's what took my game to the next level, spending those first three years in winter ball and then going to, you know, spring training, facing A ball, double A guys. It felt like I've been there and done that before. Do you go as intense or is it like, you know, is it still kind of like a, like a modified kind of spring training kind of feel to it? Like, would you like, I mean, if you're pitching like 40, 45 innings, are you like, I'm going all out for these 45 innings? Uh, are you trying new stuff? Or are you like a... No, yeah, no, I'm going all out. So earlier in my career, well, like what Seattle did with the team that I played for, he goes, all right, if he, if he goes one inning, he needs one day off. If he goes two innings, he needs two days off. If he goes three innings, you know what I mean? Yeah. So they kind of try to work something out. But obviously once I was a veteran pitcher, I knew what I needed to do. I didn't play winter ball for almost seven years because then I started throwing... 200 innings per year. So I didn't really need to go to Puerto Rico and pitch once my career, you know, was out in the bloom. But then same thing, I got hurt. I had my surgery and I wanted to come back to be, you know, playing for the WBC in Puerto Rico. And then, trust me, I was going all out after my surgery. I was, you know, go five, six, seven innings, complete games, you know, because I wanted to prove that I was able to pitch and come back. So, but in the beginning, you know, they had to control, they modify, you know, so they try to be cool. But at the same time, you're getting your innings and you're getting your work. Yeah, I guess it was kind of like that. Like you're hitting 200 innings. You don't. I mean, that's you need that time off, right? Like you can't be like, yes, All right, let yeah. me go throw 40 down in, in Puerto Rico. Yeah, that that wouldn't make any sense. Yeah, exactly. This is awesome. I don't think people. I, you know, I don't think people pay attention enough. Like when you're looking at like you know fantasy stats and trying to put players together. Like you know who's stealing a lot of bases in in down in the winter leagues, or like you know who who's suddenly flexing some power down in the winter leagues. Um, I don't know, man. I think it's a pretty cool environment, and to kind of see those stats. Yes. Fun. Uh, TPR, where do you want to go? Where do you want to go next? On this, on this tour of Joel's brain. <laughs> where, do you, where do you want to take us next? <laughs> Joel, you want to talk about anything? Anything happening with you? 
Is your next? Are you going to like try coaching the majors? Or you like doing this in, in high school? Honestly, I, I would love to get back out there and get a chance to coach, you know, professional ball. I've, I had the opportunity to go coach like A ball or double A. And I was like, you know what? I'd rather coach my sons here in high school and let them go through. But I have my opportunities. But I was like, I felt like I have the knowledge that I can go out there and wouldn't help a big league club if it's in the, as a bullpen coach or as an advisor or a roving instructor that I can help out all the minor leaguers or something like that. But, uh, I, yeah, I do want to get back somehow, but I got my, my son's already in college. So, but I got two little ones coming out. They're going into eighth grade. So maybe next year they can play a little freshman ball. So, you know, unless something does show up that somebody invites me to do something, but I'd rather, you know, finish my twin boys and try to help them get through their high school career. And then from there, move on. So if you go that, that route, like, are you like, I mean, do you sit there if you let's just say you're like a roving instructor and they're like, all right, you know, check out this, you know, this guy here in, in double A or whatever. Is it, are you like looking at all this new stuff, like the exit velocity, the, you know, fly ball line drive rates? Like, are you, are you doing that? Or are you just like watching film and saying, you know, like you mentioned before, the Rapsodo machine, all that stuff. Are you just like looking at mechanics? Are you looking at maybe like, some, you know, you're, you're off here, your release points messed up, get on the rubber to the left a little more? Like, how do you approach that? Yeah, when uh, right before the pandemic hit, I was doing that with Seattle. I was the assistant roving. So, you know, they will send me a week to double A in Arkansas. Then I come home and then they'll send me to Arizona for a week to, and then whatever. So, but yeah, it, it, it's more of learning the new technology, like the arm angles, you know, but it was more for pitchers. I didn't do it much for the hitters. Everything was for pitchers. But, you know, the, the whole setups they have now in their bullpens and it's the track, man. It's just amazing how, what info you have that, Oh, that's why my ball, my slider, I'm getting around my slider because look at my wrist is turning this way instead of staying on top of the ball. And at the end of the day, it was like, yeah, you still got to throw strike. You got to go after the hitter. So you have the old school and the new style. And I think that's part of, I think that I could have to help out with, you know, cause I'm still learning. Like I said, I bought a rap soda for myself to help out my son. And I'm sitting there on YouTube trying to realize exactly what this is for, what this means, or the spin rate. That's why your ball has more tail because it spins out of your hand at a certain point. And it's amazing what details you have now that can help a pitcher out. That's what you're missing with your fastball. That's what you're missing with your, you know, whatever pitch it is. You didn't, you didn't strike a lot of guys out when you were – you've talked about that in a couple of the columns too. Like if you had all this stuff at your disposal, you think you would have had more strikeouts or were you just – that's just the style you were. It wasn't going to change. Honestly, I, I – Maybe it might have bumped up a little, but I don't think so because I was never that guy that threw 97, 98, 99. I was more of a, you know, yes, earlier in my career, I hit 92, 94, but it wasn't nothing like I had, you know, 100 mile an hour stuff. So I was more always pitch to contact. I, you know, I was a guy that I trusted my defense. I, I, I let, you know, my team work. You know, I've never, obviously, there are situations where you need to try to look for a strikeout. The same way there are situations where you need to walk a guy because that guy's a strong hitter. Let me get the next guy. So, just a matter of both. But I was never a big strikeout guy. I think the most I struck out in one year was like 160 something or whatever it was. So, and, you know, but I, it might have bumped up a little bit with the information, but not much. You know, I was still more pitch to contact guy. Your defense must have loved you, man. You're like, yeah, I'm not going to strike yeah. anybody out. You guys, I got, I got, you know, you guys just going to catch everything. Go for it. Hey, I'm telling you, one start in, in New York, I threw a complete game. I had, uh, I think it was 19 or 20 ground ball outs in a complete game. That's awesome. So, yeah, I think I struck out two or whatever it was. <laughs> hey, whatever gets it done. This is, you had a 12-year yeah, so, career, man. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed Internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. DVR, uh, sorry, man, I, I asked you before we wanted to go, and then I took us off track. Please, the floor is yours, sir. So, Joel, I'm curious about current pitcher usage. It seems like just in the last even five years, but especially over the last 10 or so, there's been some changes in how teams are willing to use pitchers. Instead of just saying, we want you to go five or six as a starter, or you're going one as a short reliever, we, we've, had, we've had openers in front of bulk guys, and it seems like the the two to four inning pitcher is becoming a thing again. I'm just kind of curious, just from a player perspective, is that something that you think is ultimately good for the game, or at least good for pitchers, because it gives guys more opportunities to develop, as opposed to kind of being cast into one role versus the other? Because it seemed like for a long time, if you couldn't go five plus, you were a reliever, you'd go one. If you couldn't do that, then you'd get optioned. Like that was that was it. There was no development in the middle, and this maybe gives guys a, a second chance to develop a, an extra pitch that might make them a starter down the road. Uh, <laughs> with my old school mentality, honestly, every time I got on the mound, I wanted to go nine innings. That was my mentality. I'm going eight or nine innings. I got to give my team a chance to win. And now, like you said, it's changed so much because, you know, before you had a, you were looking for a quality start, you know, six innings, three or less runs. Now they just want you to go five and then go from there. It's like what 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 what's going on here? Right. But there we go back to all the data and the information. How they say you can't see the lineup three times around. And and to me, I, I don't know. I still have that old school. If I'm dominating, why would you take me out? You know what I mean? I, I'm proving you. I'm putting up zero. I've given up one run in five, six innings. Why can I go out there? You know, oh, you can't see the lineup two or three times. We, we got to bring this arm for this guy. And then as a starter right now, if you go five, you're a legit starter. Then you got one guy for the six, one for the seven, one for the eighth, and then you go from there. And and that's always changed. And maybe I don't, maybe they're trying to keep people healthier or, or fresh or something like that. But back when I was pitching, it was, Man, I'm pretty sure that old school guys would tell you, I wanted to go nine. I wanted to go out there and get a complete game. And work. I mean, like you, you're part of a rotation, and you talk about like longevity and like you know doing this the right. Like you were part of that rotation in Seattle where everybody made every start, right? Like you just used five guys. There was no, there was no six. No one went out. Like it was just five dudes pitched every game, right? That was crazy in 2003. Yeah, uh, it was Freddie Garcia, Jamie Moyer, Gil Mesh, Ryan Franklin, and myself. Uh, we didn't miss a start. Everybody had their 30-plus starts, and that was – we didn't even notice. So, like, late in the year, obviously, one of the reporters comes, hey, by the way, no team has done this, and I don't know how, whatever. And, then, and I don't think that's ever going to happen again, to tell you the truth. The way pitchers are doing now, and they're giving – they're going to six-man rotations. You know, they're giving rest, just a regular rest, and we're going to skip you this start. And like I said, I don't think that's ever going to happen again with the way pitchers are working now. But, yeah, I was – very lucky to be part of that rotation and fun times in Seattle those years. That is crazy though. If you think about it, like that's never you're that's never gonna happen again. Yeah, and I mean nobody had a dead arm, nobody got hit with a line drive, or no, you know, nobody was sick that they you know, it was just crazy. It was yeah, it was crazy. By the end, like you know, like August, September, were you guys doing anything like I know there's superstitions, but I mean like outside of that, were you were you just kind of like 
let's not go out drinking tonight because you know I pitched in two days. I don't want to mess this up. Like, were you doing anything just to like preserve no, we, it? We did like the last ones. I think last two months where we're like, hey guys, stay. Don't you know? Not that I go drinking or whatever. We just stay within. Don't try to do too much. Don't go out there lifting. Try to be hero and get you know hurt your back or whatever. We did take care of ourselves because we're like, all right, you got two months of the season. It's about seven or eight stars that we have left, whatever it is, with the days off when we're counting. And yeah, it was kind of like take care of it, take care of yourselves, you know, don't <laughs> do nothing stupid to kind of ruin this. So yeah. Hey, uh, I got another follow up. Like you look at today's pitchers, and I, you know, I guess we're kind of looking at Martin Perez a little bit this week in some columns and stuff, but it's not specifically him. But uh, like, do guys hit you up and ask you, you know, like, like you, you pitched a lot. You pitched a lot of innings. You induced a lot of ground balls. Um, does like a random guy who knows a guy who knows a guy, you know, like maybe text you and be like, "Hey, man, it's you know, it's not Turk Scooball, but you know, just to say, you know, I, I love like your your slider. Like, can you just can I just do a zoom with you and you could just give me a couple tips? Like, do you get hit up like that? Is that a normal thing? If people like go through the books and they're like, "Man, Joel Pinero is awesome. Like, he was the best inducing ground balls. I got to get better at this." You think I can just hit him up on text and ask him some questions? Like, does that happen? You know what? It, it, it hasn't happened much with, like, professional players, but my sons, all the other guys at FIU, my, you know, I don't know where I got a FaceTime call. Like, hey, how was it you gripped your sinker? How did you grip your slider? And then, hey, you coming to the ballpark today to check out because I want to see if you can talk to me. It, it happened more for the college guys. Obviously, and the high school kids are always trying to find out. But, uh, not, you know, nobody from the pros has really called up or, hey, I got this guy that I want you to help out. So I do have a couple of kids in here at a, you know, where my son trains at Plankers Therapy and Rehab and Strength and Conditioning that they do come and they'll be like, hey, in the off season, can we, can you teach me a little bit of this? Can you tell me how to do that? Or what was your mentality facing hitters? And that happens more in the off season, not during the season. So, but yeah, yeah no, like, and I love, I love to get that feedback. Like I said, you know, I, I love helping young people out because then hopefully one day, I don't know, two or three years down the road, they'll be like, oh. I remember when he told me this and that got me to be a better pitcher. That got me to whatever, got me to the next level. And that's stuff that, you know, you always like to hear. You want to talk some hitters? Like, I, I really, I'd like to pick your brain on Joe Adele and what's going on with him. I know we talked about the young guys a little bit, but he was not doing well. And then he went down to AAA or PCL, whatever you want to call it. Um, and he's like been on fire. Um, how many times can you do that? Do you think like go down, get on fire, come back up and, you know, struggle a little bit. Do you, like, do you have any insight in like what's, What's going on with him? Like, why he's just not connecting in the, in, you know, the, the major league sense? Um, it's kind of, it's not like I guess the guy that everybody draws an example to is like Brandon Wood. Like, I, I just remember Brandon Wood when I was Brandon Wood. Do you wow. remember? Yeah, dude. Like he, like he was such a surefire. This guy is going to be amazing, banging out home like runs. Forty homers in the minors. Yeah, like exactly. Yeah. And I had him on so many teams, and I just remember like he just. For whatever reason, like you know, either, like it just wasn't the right situation, or he just couldn't figure it out. He's striking out too much, whatever, whatever. Um, you know, just couldn't get it. And I, that's like the cautionary tale for me on all these teams when a guy comes up and he struggles and then goes back down and hammers the ball. Um, like, do you look at Joe Adele at all, and you're like, he'll put it together, or is this just kind of like a guy? Just, I mean, maybe just won't. I don't know. I tell you what, I I played with Brandon Wood and everybody, yeah, like you said, the high expectations coming in was like, oh, this guy's third baseman, he hits 40 home runs. And I, I'll tell you what, it's just the pitching in the big leagues is so much better than in the minor leagues. And and as a hitter, you don't make your adjustments in the big leagues, they're gonna eat you up, you know. And and that's why maybe they when they send a bell down, they're looking at video and they're trying to 
this is how they're approaching you. This is what they're doing to you because, like I said, now with the percentages of all this, look at this data. The percentage of telling they're throwing you inside 60% of the time and you're, you're whatever. And I think that when they go down, they work on that stuff. They're like, all right, you're ready to go back up. And then, and then he goes out there. He's like, he makes the adjustment. But as a hitter, if you don't make an adjustment, I'm going to, as a pitcher, I'm going to just keep going after you the same way I did until you make the adjustment. You know, I don't have to move anything. I, you're all for 20 against me. Why would I have to change my equivalency? You know? Right. So, so that's the way I see it. Like there are no secrets, like you said. The, the, yeah. And like I said, the pitching in the big leagues is so much better than the minor leagues that and the pitchers hit their spots a lot better. They know how to execute. And like I said, as a hitter, if you don't make your adjustment, you're, you're going to struggle. DBR, you feel good about Joe Adele? Eight doubles in 13 games in the minors so far? I do, but to Joel's point, it's something I've wondered about for a long time. The example that we talked about with Adele at the beginning of the season was that he had a couple series against the Astros. The Astros seemed to find the hole. Can AAA pitchers take that scouting report and execute it and enable him to even work on that flaw? Can can the problem he was having in the big leagues be fixed in AAA? And I, I wondered all along if that was even possible in this instance or, or in any instance. I think it's a really difficult thing it's almost impossible from afar unless you have a deep understanding of a specific flaw if something's fixable. Like if you told me Joe Adele's problem is a mechanical problem with his swing and he's going to go to AAA and, and face good pitching for three weeks, four weeks, and he's going to fix his swing and he's going to come back. I can kind of believe that. But if you think there's a hole in, in his approach that big league pitchers are exploiting, I just don't know how he fixes that against lesser competition that's a great point that's a great point maybe if somebody a hitting coach in the minor league saw something oh your leg or you're opening up you're coming around the ball and then they're like you need to stay inside out or whatever it is and like you said that's that's the adjustment he's got to make it's not just facing good pitching it's that adjustment with his batting stance or yeah so that's a great point dude. so am i selling uh, buying more of his cards now that they've dipped a little bit or uh <laughs> what's <laughs> what are we doing <laughs> I, th- I think you could still buy in. I think there's a lot of ways for Joe Adele to be a good big league player, right? Tons of tools. Defense is a little bit of the problem, too. I don't think that's going to be the problem long term based on everything everyone's ever told me or written about him. I just I don't think he's going to be the kind of player that is a liability defensively long term to where it costs him playing time. The K rate right around 30 percent again at AAA is walking more, but there's power. There's still some speed. I think it's a question of whether or not he's going to get traded. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Is there a spot for him in Anaheim, or is he someone they're going to trade as they try and bolster that roster for this season? I kind of think it's the latter. I never thought about the trading stuff. That's a great point. Um, Joel, actually, I want to I want to get a very specific insight from you because I know you pitched uh, with Jose De Leon, the young, the, the yes. current Jose De Leon. Oh man. I'm- yeah, I've been texting him. I was like, Papa, what's going on, man? Like, <laughs> Oh, so he's like, like that is the guy who I have that's just like everywhere. And like, I just, I, you look at his, you're like, oh man, this guy, top prospect, strikes at people out, you know, just like struggle in the majors, but like, he, he should be able to put it all together. And like, it's just, I don't know, man. Like, I, like if you ever carried a candle for anybody, ever, for me, it's Jose De Leon. Like, I just, I, I, I still think so, man. Like, and I cannot find out what's going on with him. Like, I know he hurt his shoulder. I know he was coming back, but no one's writing or tweeting about him. And I, I might be like the only person like searching for Jose De Leon like crazy on Twitter and everywhere. Um, is that, I mean, is there, is there still hope? I mean, I know he's getting a little bit older, but the guy, he's got skill. He just, he just keeps getting hurt at the most inopportune times, man. And it's, 
It's sad. And that that's one of the guys, one of the pitchers that I played with and I've seen in Puerto Rico. And I was like, bro, you got it. Everything's there. And we will talk. And I mean, so, you know, I'll text him here and there. Once he got hurt again, and I was like, yo, what's going on? He goes, I don't know. You know, it's just that guy has all the tools. I think he's got the arm. He throws hard, good curveball, good changer. Like, he's not afraid to get man. And he's just such bad luck. You know, he's having bad luck. But I think I think there's still the window still open for him to be able to get back and go out there and pitch. But I think him being a winter ball, that's what helped him out. And he needs to throw a winter ball because he needs to get all those innings that he's lost and build the arm back up. So we'll see, man. But hopefully I want to see him back in the big leagues. Hey, tell him he do it. under the radar loves him when you text him next time, man. <laughs> <laughs> we're rooting for him. Well, everyone except for DVR is rooting for him. DVR doesn't like him. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> I, have no, I have nothing <laughs> oh, on the no i'm just kidding man i just want him to be healthy i just want to see what he can do if he's healthy i think that's been the, the unfortunate story of his career is a lot of yeah. injuries and he's just one of those guys that hasn't been able to to kind of get over the top and and get through a, a full season at the big league level yet if he does i think he's at least going to be an effective yes, reliever he could be a long yes yes and it's crazy like brent honeywell is going through the same thing now too and those guys you know those guys when they're coming up with tampa bay you're like man Three years, this Tampa Bay rotation is going to be insane with these two guys anchoring it. And, you know, it just happens. They know what to do with their prospects, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, in a sad way, I guess. <laughs> DVR, you want to hit anything before we, we were running up against the, uh, the DVR-imposed limit um, of one hour? But uh, anything you want to throw out there? I'm kind of interested to get some thoughts on Tristan McKenzie because at the beginning of last season, he looked lost, came back in the second half, started to put it together, and he's really sort of built on that to begin this season. And it's the success so far has come with a slightly lower strikeout rate, but I think if you're Cleveland, you would happily accept that, right? The consistency with command seems like it's it's really turned the corner for McKenzie. So what's the ceiling? Can he sustain something similar to what he's done to this point this season, kind of going back even to the second half of last year? I, I think he does. I think he can. You know, he, same thing. Being healthy, it, it's going to help him out. But uh, the guy I really enjoy watching, you take him or Carlos Rondo? Uh, I'd take Rondo. I'd take McKenzie, man. Ooh. Joel, be the tiebreaker. Nah, I say Rodon. Really? Definitely, yeah. Yeah. No, you guys. Wait, are we talking real, are we talking real or fantasy? Both, yeah. Yeah, yeah, both. I mean, we're just at the point with Rodon where it's just it's health. If if he's healthy, he's top ten pitcher. He's he's elite if he's healthy at this point. One hundred percent. But I mean, Tristan McKenzie is he, can he transcend elite in a way like the 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 way he's pitching? How about this? How about McKenzie or Scooble? That's a that's a more fair question. Yes. Oh wow, that's a. Oof. So uh, I'll throw my answer out there first. I I think I bet on Scooble because I think the Arsenal is a little bit deeper. I think you get a slightly higher strikeout floor. Strikeouts for me are, are huge. You know, going fantasy first, real life-wise. Also, I think there's a little more risk in the way Tristan McKenzie is built. He is one of the the thinnest people I've seen make it to a big league rotation. Like I just I want to see him come back after an offseason just like more bulked up. Just a little more muscle, just a little bit more. I know that's kind of like an old scouting he's too thin, doesn't work, frame doesn't work. I'm not saying it doesn't work. I'm just saying compared to Scooble, it it's another thing that separates those two guys for me. Yeah, I mean, I've seen McKenzie hasn't pitched that much, but I mean, I think he's more just fastball slider, if I'm not mistaken. 
I mean, yes, he might throw a change up here and there, but he's fastball slider. And then I think you need another pitch. Like I said, he does have more of an arsenal that can, you know, go out there and, and definitely like the body, you know, that, but I think the, you know, I take, I take school just because of that too, because of the arsenal. That's fair. I guess. Just, just Tristan McKenzie, just another one of my, you know, I love him, man. I got him everywhere. He's so great. And I was talking about the Detroit Tigers rotation, so. Yeah. Well, hey, let's, uh, I mean, <laughs> Joel, when do you think this rotation is going to be ready? Like, is this like looking July, like all five, you know, Voltron? I'm hoping after the, yeah, I'm hoping after the all-star break, these guys go out, go out on a little run, you know? I, I believe in them, so we'll see. We should put your, uh, we should just put the article out now, man, and just change some words around to like speculating on this is going to be amazing. Pick these guys up now in fantasy at a discount. Hey, I'll tell you what, that might work. Because I think Scooble's still going to come at a discount. I don't think people are like, oh my God, this guy's a sub 2.5 ERA guy all the way. Like, I think, I think the way that he debuted and he had no hype, it was all Casey Mize hype coming up. Like, just talking about being able to trade for a player in a fantasy league. And DVR, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think like the buzz really is out there on Scooble. I think he's like, he's gettable. You know what I mean? Like, I think he's someone you could not lowball someone with, but you know, you could give what will, will be what appears to be now a fair trade, but will be like 80% on the dollar for him. Am I crazy? Probably. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think ahead to if we were drafting today for the rest of the season, the second chance leagues are coming around now that Memorial day weekend is just a few days away. It's like Scooble would probably go somewhere in like the pick 120 overall to pick 150 range. So if we're talking like a 15 team league first 10 rounds, Somewhere between like round eight, round ten, so the equivalent hitter. Yeah, I mean, I think you could make a swap like Man, that. I think I, like, like next year at this time, we might be looking at him as like around four or five. I think he can keep this up. It's possible. Yeah, if he's healthy all season and he keeps bringing the K's, then yes, he'll he'll keep going up from where he is right he now. Pitched, I believe he pitched that. like 140 innings last year, right? So I mean, like, it's not like he's going from 80 to 180 or 200, right? It's he's. 140 is a building block, right, Joel? I mean, I should be asking you this. Yeah, not TBR, I, I would right? say they're going to try to keep them. They'll try to probably keep them like under the 175, 185 mark. You know, hopefully, like you said, staying healthy and going out there every five, six days and pitching. I think that's that's going to be the mark for him. That's. I mean, that's like 230 strikeouts, though. You know what I mean? Like that's that's a fantasy season, man. Yeah. All right, we got to go. Joel, you want anything you want to anyone to throw in, man? Like, I I know you're like you're a fantasy guy, man. Did we hit enough fantasy for you? <laughs> I tell you what, one guy that I'm really liking, and not only that I saw him play in uh, here in high school, MJ Melendez, man, yeah. you know he, uh, I I saw him his senior year. He came over. He was a catcher here, and at Westminster, I was able to coach him for a little bit. Wow, what you know, what tools, what talent, and then another guy that I saw that I think I'll probably be writing about him later on in my next article is Tristan Casas. I saw him play at American Heritage. We played him, and wow, that guy can hit. And, you know, our Boston's playing better baseball right now. I think they won 9 out of 12 or in five in a row. But I think he might get that chance. So if Boston goes struggling a little bit, Casas is a guy that I think go out there and put a big, you know, big numbers up early in his career. And so those two guys, I saw him play closely, and uh, I think they have the stuff and the talent to go out there and, you know, take the opportunity. You know, Salvador Perez got hurt, so now Melendez is catching a lot more. So those two guys, I'm really high on. DVR, what's what's Casas to you? Like, is he like July? Like this guy will be up and he'll be amazing. It's a tough call for me because I think in terms of plate discipline, he looks ready, 
And I think compared to Bobby Dahlbeck, he, he brings a totally different type of plate appearance to the table. So that might be appealing. But I could also see the Red Sox wanting to give him the rest of this year at AAA, going out, adding a veteran for the rest of this season, and then bringing him up at the beginning of 2023 and saying he's an everyday guy for us next year. Maybe he's a part-time guy for them in the second half. But it really depends to me on whether or not they're still contending when we get to the trade deadline. I think that's going to dictate whether or not Cassis gets that shot now well, everybody's later. contending yeah. now, right? They're like 22 playoff teams. Yeah. Hey, it's not the NHL. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, all right. Yeah. TBD then. But uh, I don't know. Do you want to listen to the uh, guy who played baseball for 12 years or DVR? You know? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. I know, I'm joking. <laughs> It was a timing question. I think he's just he's in a tricky spot because of where the Red Sox yeah, that's, are right that's now. Yeah, that's why I said if they go struggling, they go downhill, I think they might just give him the chance to see what he can do. But if, you know, I don't know where they put it together. I mean, the Yankees are off to a great start. So if they put it together and then they might say, let's not put this guy, let's not throw him in the fire yet. Let's hold off and then get him another full season in the minor leagues and then go for next year. So I think it all depends on what, you know, the Red Sox do. Uh, you think Melendez is going to stick as a DH or uh, or he's going to catch a bunch? Like, is he like, a, I mean, I know he's got the power, he's 40 home run power, but is he like a good defensive catcher? Or is he like a, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll DH you a bunch. He's no Salvi. Right. You know, he's no Salvi. So, I mean, I think he'll stay more as a DH. I, I know they had him in the right field in the minor leagues to start off, but he played first base. They tried him at third because they know his bat is what's going to keep him up there in the big leagues. So, you know, yeah, he'll catch here and there, maybe get Salvi a day off, but. You still want Salvi behind the plate, knows knows the league, knows the hitters, knows most of his pitchers, knows how to work with them. And that's something that MJ's got to, you know, just learn a little more about it. But I think his bat is definitely going to keep him in the big leagues, I think, the rest of the year. Nice. Great. I have him in a couple places, so that's uh, <laughs> exciting. Um, all right, man, we got to go. Uh, thank you, Joel, man. This was Thank you so much for jumping in, like, uh, last second, too. It was awesome. This is awesome. No, thanks for having me. Hopefully we can do this again and I feel more relaxed. I have more information about stuff and then I can be a little better. I think you did great. DVR, what do you think? It was great, right? It's great. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for jumping in, Joel. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, let's get us out of here, man. For the man who's about to brag to Eno about this show, Derek Van Yes, that is going to happen. For the man who's about to go on eBay and outbid me for all these Joe Adele cards, Joel Pinheiro. <laughs> Love it. Thank you all for joining us. We hope you enjoy this. We, uh, I'm pretty sure this is educational and awesome. Uh, don't forget to check out Joel at, uh, well, I mean, it could just be Joel Pinheiro, man. Is <laughs> JP3538. I'm sorry, I always got to stop because I don't want to confuse your email with your Twitter handle. But JP3538 on Twitter. Joel Pinheiro, thanks so much, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Bye, everybody. Later. Later.